Hello and welcome back to Pops, a Taste of Riverdale podcast. I am one of your hosts, River. And I'm Nathan. And today we're covering Riverdale Season 1, Episode 2, titled Chapter 2, Taste, or not Taste, Touch of Evil. Taste of Evil would be an entirely different episode. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe similar. Uh. So do you want to do the intro or switch it up this week? Or would you like to keep it how we did it last time? Um, I can do like a quick, uh, I'll, I'll read like the intro and do like a quick recap of the last episode, if that works. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Police begin an investigation into Jason's death. Archie's guilt and Jughead's suspicions intensify. Betty struggles with her feelings for Archie. Indeed. Last time on Riverdale, we started off with the accidental drowning of high schooler Jason Blossom. We also got introduced to our cast of characters and got a little bit of character depth and interactions. Archie is having an illicit affair with his music teacher, Miss Grundy, while also trying to gently let down the girl next door, Betty. Cheryl is dealing with her brother's death in increasingly concerning ways. At the after-party of the school dance, new girl Veronica kisses Archie while locked in a closet for seven minutes in heaven. This causes a falling out between Archie and Betty, who were tiptoeing around each other, and Betty and Veronica, who were just becoming friends. Kevin is gay, and while he and Moose were trying to go skinny dipping, they stumble across Jason's body. Jason's death wasn't an accident. He has a bullet wound to the forehead. Towards the end of the episode, we meet our narrator, Jughead, and Pop Steiner, the episode closes out with the whole team w- watching Jason's body be brought out of the Sweetwater River. Perfect recap. Perfect. <laughs> I, I mean, the first episode was insane and all over the place. Uh, and so much plot and characters and everything happened. Yes, plot, characters, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot. It was a crazy episode. Um that's for sure there's a lot going on in that one i can take us into a brief summary of this week's episode yeah sounds good uh so the opener really got me uh we opened with a a reminder flashback to uh kevin and his his love interest moose uh discovering jason but all we get is oh my god it's jason (laughs) um and immediately i thought of oh my god it's jason Bourne." yeah Uh, (laughs) well it's jason blossom which is you know it starts out so similar to jason Bourne. jason b exactly yeah um then we have a nice little montage of jughead having like a romantic flashback montage remembering jason blossom and how much is he he misses him Mm. um we've got uh archie uh Wakes up in a cold sweat in the night, texts Betty, hey, you up? <laughs> I <laughs> really need to does. talk. Uh, <laughs> Betty says no. And no. Um, and very dramatically turns off the lights. Uh, Archie is haunted by literal demons and goes for a run <laughs> at midnight to see his uh, teacher, <laughs> lover, Miss Grundy. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is very upset that he is at her house and extremely concerned about being charged for statutory rape uh, and tells him we can't tell anyone about this. Uh, so 
flashback, well, not flashback, but flash forward uh, to the next morning. Great shot of uh, Archie's dad cooking up some bacon and feeding the dog Vegas. Fred. Yeah. Uh, it's a great name for yep. a dog, too. Yeah. 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 Super cute. Um, another good character moment from Fred, just being a good dad. Uh, tells his son, don't go running at midnight. There's a murderer out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Things you shouldn't have to tell your, your son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Um, it was at this moment, there's some scene with Jughead, kind of a one-off thing. I don't really remember what happened, um, but he really has had no character development. He's just kind of like a self-insert type character where you're just supposed to know it's Jughead. Um, of course, okay. he's going to be like that. Um, so I, I'm kind of, I've honestly kind of lost track of what happened already because my notes from here <laughs> <laughs> turned into just like complaints um that's fair there was i had a lot of complaints about this episode too yeah um, i i think it's you want me to I, kind of steer us back on yeah steer us back on here. course here yeah um so so when archie gets back there's some parent discussion with uh, archie and fred and then we pop over to betty's house and she has some parent discussion with her mom um where her mom is like yeah don't hang out with um Cheryl, Veronica, or Archie, and Betty's like, yeah, absolutely, and then immediately goes over to Archie's house to ask if he'll walk her to school. Um, yes. And then at the school, we get some side conversations with some of the main crew and recurring characters. Um, I think this is where there's kind of like a awkward moment with Jughead here, where he like bumps into Reggie or something, and Reggie like calls him a shithead or something like that, and then. <laughs> He like Reggie insults him. Jughead like bumps into him. Just typical high school drama stuff. Uh, Veronica is like going way overboard with apology gifts because she feels bad um, about oh, like yeah. kissing Archie. She's got like the flowers. She's got cupcakes from another state. She's she got... like flew them in from New York. Like her favorite Pedicure. bakery in New York. Like an insane person. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah, a whole mani petty that they can do together. Like, dang, all right. Um, and then it's announced over the intercom that Jason's death is an open investigation, and anyone who knows anything should come forward. For some reason, uh, the sheriff also lets uh, Cheryl announce over the intercom um, that she will find whoever did this. She basically does the very specific set of skills speech. Um, yeah, Archie was in the hallway and like a little fucking rat. <laughs> yeah. He's so mean to Archie, but yeah, it's true. He is acting like a little rat right now. But um yeah, he's he's in the hallway like watching this announcement happen. I guess they're in like the journalism room or something. I don't know. Um Jughead is also in the hallway, presumably like cutting class because he seems like kind of a kind of a bad boy. Um, and he sees Archie get like startled by the announcement and confronts him. Um, mm -hmm. And here Which we is all just a completely one off scene, by the way, like Jughead confronts him and is like, what's going on, bro? Something you want to tell me? <laughs> Archie says there's no response to that. It's never, like, mentioned again. There's no, like, 
like it's just that scene should have been cut like i will say there's exactly one connecting tie and that's that jughead and archie were supposed to hang out fourth of july weekend yeah but so Archie the doesn't only... even respond in the like in that scene. No, like there's he no response. And we already know that they were supposed to hang out over the summer and didn't. So yeah. this isn't really news. It's not adding anything. Um, I guess it's just to catch the viewer up if you're watching week by week. But that still, it seems unnecessary. Um, they go to science class, or Archie at least goes. I don't know if Chuck is in his class. Um, and once they're in science class, they're getting assigned like a dissection assignment. So they have to work in pairs. Um, Archie decides to pair with Cheryl so she so he can ask her more about the investigation. Veronica goes with Betty to try and like be creepily friendly to her. And Moose tries to go to Kevin go with Kevin to um, kind of spark reignite the sparks of the Sweetwater River disaster like courtship thing they had going on um kevin very brutally rejects moose and archie finds out that cheryl doesn't know anything about the investigation so kind of a bust for everybody um betty's mom we we cut here to like betty's mom getting information from the coroner um this guy is like shady as hell i made so many notes about this coroner being like the shadiest person we've seen yet and i I feel like I, f- I feel like I remember him existing all the way through like to season three. So this no this way. guy's just like <laughs> part of the fabric of Riverdale, I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A lot uh, more murders to look forward to. I guess. Like, is there even like an assigned coroner in most small towns? I feel like there's not. But I don't know how that works. <laughs> no, I, 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 it seems like unnecessary in a town this size, but you know, okay. Um, there's a lot of uh, little character conversations that we get at lunch, like back at the school. Um, Kevin, it turns out he's actually upset with Moose because Moose has an official girlfriend who's named Midge. I, yeah, it's I, insane. I wrote down her name because I wasn't sure if she comes back or not. So I guess we'll we'll see if we see her again. I mean, it's um, good to have it. Just who is named Midge? Yeah, I, I feel like this is one of those where it's like it it transferred over from like the old comic books and it doesn't do well in like a modern take not, on a, not a comic name. book from the 50s. Like, yeah, not a cute name. Name that's been lost to time. Thank God. No, no offense to all midges out there, but <laughs> it's not a cute name. Um, Archie is working on a song. I think Veronica asks him to play what he's got. So he plays a song that's about a school dance and like kissing the right girl. And uh, it's just like, Archie, stop. That, just... The thing is, oh, my God, this. OK, can I can I talk about this scene? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, this is where like the episode I, there was so much potential in this scene. Um, I didn't really like a lot of the stuff leading up to it. But yeah. the, the like, I would say one thing they have really going for them is this like dynamic between like Archie and Betty, where it's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, Betty's like, she loves him. Oh, my gosh. Um, and to the actress who plays Betty, I don't know her name. 
um, to her credit, she does an excellent job with this scene with like yeah. actually acting and like she's doing a fantastic job, like being upset, like enjoying it at first. Then you see her start to like, she's like realizing like, oh my gosh, like I still have all these feelings, yeah. all this stuff is going on. And um, like the transition this actress does from like putting on a brave face to being upset is very, it's, it's really smooth. She does a great job. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, And then the writers come in and they just say, fuck all of that beautiful work you're doing. You need to also say these things out loud just in case someone didn't understand like the acting you were doing. And she literally explains the entire subtext of her character. And it is so incredibly frustrating because she did such a good job representing it and and, and acting and playing it out. And then it's just immediately like, yeah, I'm going to now tell you, oh, if I was the nice girl, then I would say that, yes, like I am okay, but I'm not, I'm not okay. And it's just like, (laughs) you ruined it. Like the scene was so good. And then the dialogue is so bad and and it's not the actor's fault because the actors are doing an amazing job. Yeah. What they have to work with for their lines is awful. And it ruined the scene for me. Um, Yeah. I feel like this is also, it's important to note that this, first season aired when like taylor swift's like first like non-pop album was big so it's it's like taylor swift which i feel like taylor swift is always pop but that's a different argument but um (laughs) but it's like it's like the uh i'm writing my own music and i'm cool now and aren't i so tough and i've been wronged by everybody era of taylor swift which I feel like they tried to channel with Betty throughout this first season. Um, and they don't necessarily get there. Um, and it just it just makes it really awkward. Like this was the face journey was enough. We really understand as a viewer what's happening. here. It, it's yeah, it, like the writers don't trust us to understand the story they're writing. Exactly. And, and the actors like on top of her doing an amazing job, they also had flashbacks which were completely yep. unnecessary because that happened last episode. Like, yeah, it wasn't like I a remember. full season arc. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like this is like five episodes in between. Like I remember what, yeah. And, and like, it's been clear. It's been established even within the episode, what happened and it's been talked about. And, and now it's like, just let her like do her job because she's a good actress. Like she's yeah. good. Um, so, so that immediately was like, I was like, oh, my God, like the dialogue, like, save us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, so so Betty runs off because she's like, I just can't do this. Archie, like, also runs after her and then, like, kind of stands there awkwardly when she tells him, like, you're kind of being a jackass, Archie. Um, And so he's just kind of standing there awkwardly. And then he sees the principal, Principal Weatherby, like, come up. And the principal tells him that if he knows anything about Jason's death, now's the time to come forward. Archie freaks out more than anyone has ever freaked out before. But in like the silent way where he's like, "Mm, oh no. And like his eyes get really big and he doesn't say anything. And he just like, oh, okay. And just runs away, which if I'm the principal of that school, I'm like, this boy witnessed a murder. I need to get the sheriff down to Archie's house. 
as soon as school's over. Like, and he he runs right to uh, Miss Grundy, right, to tell her what's going on. Exactly, and he wants to tell Principal Weatherby and Sheriff Keller. I'm gonna keep reminding us throughout this episode that he's 15 here because the actors are probably only like five years apart, if that. But he's supposed to be 15 years old, and she's an adult teacher, like maybe in her early 20s or like mid 20s, but still, like he's 15. She's probably at the youngest 25. It's it's gross. Um, it doesn't always look gross on screen because again, they are the actors are the same age, but the situation is gross. So I'm gonna keep bringing it up. Yeah, and, and it it is a just gross and manipulative situation. Um, and everyone's favorite little rat Jughead is now the lurker in the hallway. Yeah, and and he He's- sees this. He stays lurking in these hallways. He's he's out here. <laughs> yeah, so he sees them, like, talking, and they share a kiss, and that's when Jughead sees, like, the kiss. Um, uh, then we, we jump to after school. Um, the Vixens are practicing. Betty and Veronica get into, like, a little petty argument, and then Betty invites Cheryl over to her house. So that they can go do the Manny Petties together instead of Betty and Veronica. Um, this this is another scene that drove me insane. It's just so. Here's what I will say for it: it's extremely high school. So in in a way, they did capture the accuracy of high school drama. That was actually something that I wrote down <laughs> uh, because, like, like to me. We we have this, but Betty's character is like was so interesting this episode because the the first one really sets it up so that she can like she's in this arc of like figuring how out who she is, uh like separate from her mother, and she literally says that in this episode she goes like when she's walking with Archie to school she says something about like I had to take some like time to figure out how I felt versus how my mom felt. Because her mom is always projecting her emotions onto Betty, um, and then the the just just like take that and just rip it up because that doesn't matter. And, and her having this realization that oh I need to do this, just throw that out the window because then she is just like fuck you Veronica. I, I'm gonna just like be petty, uh, which is like understandable, but at the same time like. Feel it felt so forced, uh, because she also doesn't like Cheryl. Um, yeah, and, and it's just like it's so extremely. She's like, I'll hang out with this person that I hate because I hate you more right now, and I hate you for trying to be my friend, even though we were friends for like a second, and then you kissed a guy I like, and then you tried to apologize. It's just extremely like. Everyone's being petty this episode. I feel like this is this is a lot of pettiness here. There is a lot of pettiness this episode. <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so after school, um, instead of... So I guess after practice, Veronica goes to Pop's Diner, um, where she's trying... She's, like, hanging out with her mom while her mom finishes her shift. Um, and she runs into Archie, who's picking up food for his dad. 
And Hermione's like, oh, you're Fred's son. That's so cool. You should walk my daughter home, not knowing any of their awkwardness, which is like one of my favorite scenes because it's like such a like parent thing to do to not have any idea what the situation is and be like, you guys are both teens. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> it's just like, just no idea. Yep. She's just like, oh, Fred's a good guy. His son's like probably a good guy. Go on Archie after kid. honey. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so they they go on this walk together and have a long conversation about their feelings for Betty because Archie they both feel like they've lost a friend, basically. Um and Archie has this weird confession about how he's illiterate. Um <laughs> in the second grade, okay? It was the second grade, but I choose to believe that Archie, to this day, cannot read a word. Um, Struggles with reading assignments, sorry. Yeah, uh, so in the second grade, um, Archie was failing his reading classes, and um, Betty tutored him because he was going to be held back a grade, and she didn't want them to be separated. And so when he passed all his classes and was able to move on with the rest of his class to the third grade, um, he asked Betty to marry him and she said no you're you're we're too young you got to wait which is just I don't I don't believe she said that that's like when parents post on Twitter that their child said something really important and intelligent and you're like no that your kid's 6 my kid just said Elon Musk is so brave at Elon Musk at Tesla <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, like yeah. that's the vibe of that of and, that statement is just like no that that's definitely made up and what I got from that, too, is that, you know, once you turn 18, you can get married um, because that is literally said Archie. Archie it, Archie says, yeah, and Betty told me in the second grade. Oh, little Archie. Like Betty they're the is same also age. eight or seven yeah. or however you old. Like they're in the same grade. She's yeah. not calling him little Archie. Uh, maybe when I'm 18, we can get married. Ask me then and I'll say yes. Yeah. And, and it's honestly like. It's just gross. Have some other aspirations, you know? Yeah. Give or you know, hey writers, give your female characters aspirations other than marrying as soon as they turn eighteen. I I mean all <laughs> Yeah, that that's the shitty part too, is that it's like Betty's entire character is focused around making sure that Archie can pass through school. <laughs> it gets worse. There's a whole character arc for both of them where she's basically just his tutor. Um, <laughs> but so it gets worse. Oh, it's also, you know, the one good thing about this scene is it narrows down what state Riverdale could possibly be in. Um, mm-hmm. Only states where you're over 18 to be married. So we got we're, we're shortening the list, you know, bit by bit here with with more information about the background. Um, for for the listener, uh, it's kind of ambiguous where Riverdale is located. For season one, it seems pretty Midwestern right now. But, um, you know, it, it might. But we're getting a little more information. And as time goes on, they like add other elements in that didn't previously exist in Riverdale. So they'll just like add like a swamp because they need it for that episode plot. And you're like, okay, so we're in the Pacific Northwest, but there's a swamp, you know. So, so we're we're gonna narrow down where exactly Riverdale's located. 
bit by bit, piece by piece. Uh, yeah, I, it is so completely ambiguous that it is, it could be any small town out there. So let let us know, you know, maybe you live in Riverdale. Uh, <laughs> maybe we all live in Riverdale. It's really. But um, yeah, from, from that awkward scene, we move to uh, Cheryl and Betty hanging out after school. Cheryl is doing the most like gay villain speech slash makeup slash intimidation thing here. Like an interrogation. Yeah, it's like, am I interrogating you or am I hitting on you? Which is very like creepy. Um, yes. She's but- interrogating Betty about Jason and Polly because she thinks Polly killed Jason. And another great scene here, and honestly, some good cinematography, um, where where they have a great shot of uh, Cheryl real or not Cheryl, uh, Betty realizing uh, that Cheryl is like set set her up and agreed to come along so she can do this interrogation. Um, Betty gets sick of it, and then there's there's a scene of her like rising from the bottom of the shot like a horror movie. Yeah. So, like scream at Betty, like get out, like get out of here before I fucking kill you. Um, and yeah. like that shot of her like coming into frame was really really good. Um, yeah, and that's that's Betty who comes in to frame to yell at Cheryl. Very creepy, very cool. Um, and we have to remember, there's a kid who's dead, so anybody's a suspect at this point. Exactly. Death threat. Death threat is pretty, especially like to the twin of the kid who's been shot. Mm-hmm. Very intimidating. Um, so at this point, we cut back to Archie's house, and Archie has finally made it home. Um, he left the diner, like the sun is still in the sky. He makes yeah. it home. The street lamps are on. It's probably it's, like 8 p.m. So just pitch pitch dark outside. Those hamburgers are gonna be cold as hell. Like his dad has got to be disappointed. Like cold fries. Come on, son. Okay, they're gonna get all soggy. Mm-mm. And you know he just left them sitting like right on top of whatever relish or what. He didn't rearrange the bag once he got it to make sure that he could transport it long distances with no leaks. Everything's leaking all over each other in that bag. That's terrible. <laughs> But yeah, he he gets home. Jughead is sitting on the steps waiting for him, like his wife, um, <laughs> and <Yep>. confronts him <laughs> about uh, seeing him and Miss Grundy together in the music room and asks what's going on. Again, if we take a perspective of this, of uh, uh, sorry, a bu- a bughead. No, that's Betty and Jughead. A Jarchi. Archie. I think that's the ship name. If we take if we take the uh, perspective that Jughead and Archie were like a couple, this scene makes so much more sense. Like Jughead being like so upset about seeing Archie with somebody else, let alone a teacher. It does very quickly go into like Jughead being like, "Dude, that's fucked up." She's like thirty. So yeah, and, and to me that was like some some good content from from jokehead yeah i'm glad Um, somebody said it i feel like you and i have been saying it both these episodes and no one on screen has been like that's a whole adult you're 15 yeah yeah and very very good uh to see from from jokehead too where he he asks like what's going on and archie says like 
oh, I, I like Miss Grundy. He says, I like her. And, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you can see uh, Jughead in the background just kind of throwing up his hands and going, yeah. like, you can see him mouthing the words, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's just he's so like, exasperated because like yeah. Archie isn't gonna save himself here he's he thinks he's in love he thinks this is like so special and it's this this whole arc with Miss Grundy is so creepy because it's like exactly like it's it's like a child predator arc and it's exactly the behavior of, of the children who are in those situations who think that they have something so special and really they're being preyed on and it's the show does not really deal with it at all other than Jughead calling it out but I'm glad Jughead said something season one really starting off on a strong foot with the statutory reaper <laughs> yeah like that's, that's like a background thing too it's like not even yeah, the main yeah. fo- like the murder is the main focus the statutory rape is just like tad drama just to make it a little more interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, right, like uh, Archie and Jughead, I think we find this out in this scene. They're supposed to go camping on, on July 4th weekend. Mm-hmm. And Archie missed it and Jughead has like been upset with him and they haven't been friends because of it. Yeah. They could have removed this entire plot with Miss Grundy. This whole little side piece could have been completely cut. And it could have just been Archie and Jughead, two guys being guys, like out on their their camping trip, and they happened to be by Sweetwater River, and, yeah. and they heard the gunshot, and they don't know what to do, and they didn't tell anyone about it. Um, I do like the tension they're building with uh, Archie and Jughead, though, where they're kind of like butting heads with each other. So I I do think they're doing that well, because um, they clearly both care a lot about each other, but they're just like. They're not ready to say sorry yet. Um, and av- after this, like, conversation on the porch, which is, like, you know, Ar- Archie's like, oh, I'm worried about the gunshot, but I talked to Miss Grundy, and she said we can't go to the police, and I don't know what to do. And, and Archie, like, Jughead's like, well, you have to go to the police because Miss Grundy probably cares more about herself like than about you um and at that point archie kind of threatens jughead and tells him like never talk about her like that again and don't come back here and then fred finally steps out because this this man's starving to death he got off the job at the construction (laughs) company expecting a hot burger and fries to be waiting for him when his son came home and it's eight o'clock and he hasn't had a damn thing to eat he's probably been nursing a warm beer again too so fred's coming about fred as soon as he steps out that door and sees Jughead, he's like, oh, come on in. We got plenty of food. And it's The like, friendliest guy. Like, exactly friendly. who you want your friend's dad to be. Exactly. Yeah. And he's, like, also kind of Jughead's dad. Um, and, and, again, this is another scene where I like the message of the scene and the dialogue ruins it. Um, Jughead's dialogue, especially near the end when he is, like, reprimanding Archie for his behavior and for bailing on him and all this stuff mm-hmm. is just over explaining the subtext of what's happening like completely just bowling over any like strength of the actors to tell the story with with less like without explicitly saying what is happening um, yeah and, and the, the the line from Jughead that really irked me 
was his starting line of, I used to know this guy once. Um, See, and- I I kind of loved that. <laughs> I, I felt like that was so, because I feel like we haven't heard a lot from Jughead as a character, but mm-hmm. having seen him in later, like we haven't heard him a lot from him yet, but having seen him in later seasons, Jughead is kind of that like overdramatic English major kind of guy where mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to be the next Ernest Hemingway. My short <laughs> stories are the talk of the town. So like that line is like so Jughead. It it cracked me up. Um, I used to know this guy. You, like he's like writing his like manuscript in his head for how this play will turn out, you know? It's, he thinks he's Jack, he thinks he's everybody. He thinks he's Ernest Hemingway. He thinks he's Kerouac. He he thinks he's one of the greats. Uh, and he's gonna write the great American novel, and and Archie's gonna be that guy he used to know. So I I kind of loved it for that reason. It's a terrible line, but Jughead's not a good writer, so it makes sense for him to have terrible lines. And it, and it fits the the keeping of the show of ha- having just. Some some dialogue to freely explain it to you in case you spaced out the last three minutes when there were no words. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, I don't know that to me that is kind of how these scenes go is we'll have a, a good scene with the actors doing good work, um, mm-hmm. some cool like shots and, and stuff like that, and then you'll just have a scene explaining the last one in case you didn't quite get it. Or, or to like, oh, you're yeah. probably on your phone. So let, let me just. Yeah, that's exactly get... <laughs> what it is. It's like, I know when no one's talking that you're on your phone. So here's the dialogue to explain the last scene, which, I mean, they understand their audience well because that's how I used to watch this outside of the podcast. But it's difficult to watch. I will say it's difficult to watch um, for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think I think because I was playing like like solitaire and Scrabble and stuff on my phone in between dialogue parts when I was originally watching this, it didn't stand out to me at all. But that's also because I wasn't really watching it. Um, and now I'm just familiar with it that I'm like, yes, feed me more information, please. But the next day at school, we I think we start in the lounge kind of area there's like some vending machines and and like chairs and stuff i don't know if it's a lounge really a very large student lounge if it is really i've big. never seen a student lounge in a high school no i haven't either i feel like maybe because it's an older building it could make sense like maybe this is like a senior lunch area and like the rest of the day students eat here i don't, I don't really get it but you know, maybe this small town has a big high school. Who who, who am I to say? Uh, um, but there's some really great lines in here from Reggie. Uh, Reggie is talking about who could have killed Jason. He starts pointing fingers at everybody. He accuses Moose, Kevin, and Jughead all for different reasons. He gets a little homophobic with it towards Kevin. Um, Got to throw in the spice of small town homophobia. Um, he asks if Jughead did stuff to the body after, and Jughead does not help his case. He responds, it's called necrophilia, Reggie. Can you spell it? <laughs> Which somehow gets Reggie's ire up. Well, this I don't cause, understand. Because Reggie is stupid, is the thing. Reggie is but, stupider than Archie. <laughs> and Archie is extremely stupid. So. 
But the thing, Reggie went from being like cool in one of my favorite characters last episode because of his his funny testosterone joke. Yeah. Um, to now I'm like, like you're just a bully, and on top of that, homophobic, and yeah. you can't even like roast the guy you were roasting for being smart. Like, hey, haha, fucking smart nerd, you probably killed him, and then did stuff <laughs> to the body, and then. The nerd says some like nerd stuff, yeah. and instead of being like "haha, see, nerd," you get mad. Yeah. It, it, like that. That to me is like okay. Like yeah. Like I guess we'll just have a fight now. Like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reggie's kind of a piece of shit, but he's Honestly. very funny to, to watch on screen. He's just stirring up trouble for everybody in like a stereotypical like jock bully way, which is kind of fun to watch. It's nice to have one of those on a high school show. I would say. Oh, it's a mandatory character. Oh, yeah. He also, he calls Jughead Suicide Squad and Donnie Darko. Um, within within like a 30 second. <laughs> like, he just couldn't pick one, so he did both. Um, honestly, kind of impressed that he was able to pull Donnie Darko out. I feel like that's yeah. that's not like a super uh, well-used reference. Um, but... Uh, Archie intervenes because Reggie's going to like beat up uh, Jughead and that's obviously going to end in Jughead like dying of a severe concussion. Um, so Archie intervenes because his little wimpy nerdy friend is going to get beat up and he's like, hey, leave him alone. And then Reggie accuses Archie of killing Jason because Archie has his jersey now and Archie decides to get in a fight with him. Um, and Archie gets a black eye. It's knocked out in like two punches. KO'd. I feel uh, like he just gave up, honestly. He just kind of lays there on the ground. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, and, and there's a, a, a moment I don't like. For the most part, I really like this scene. Um, my only complaint is Veronica going, boys. Um, yeah. Like she's like their mom. Um, yeah, and, and they really mortified her for no reason. Yeah, I have a feeling that's something I'm going to continue to have issue with throughout this is random, like, female characters just being the mom um, whenever it's convenient for the plot. Yeah. Uh, It's like they didn't know what else for her to do in this scene, so they just had her be the mom. Let her act. Don't give her bad dialogue. Let her make a face. Yeah, literally, like, have her, like, make it, like, a, oh, a face and, like, head out, you know? Yeah, like, like yeah, don't want to deal something. with that. Ooh, yep. Too much testosterone in here. Jeez, Archie. Yeah. <laughs> Put the <laughs> fucking needles away, bud. You supply in the school, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got a drug issue here. Um, uh, but we, we cut from that fight scene to Fred um, after school asking Archie if he got in a fight, dun-dun-dun, with Jughead. He was picking up what was going down on the porch that night. Fred's Fred's no chump. Just um, he's such a, a great dad and a great character. And like this scene with Archie in the kitchen and Fred, um, it's so good. phenomenal. And he's such a good actor too. That's what he really like drives up the quality of acting for the whole. Every, every time he's in a scene with Archie. I feel like the the level of acting that we get from both of them is just so much better. Yeah, True I, professional here. I totally agree with that. Um, because he he is such a great father figure. Like 
he can tell Archie has something going on and he doesn't push him for details. He doesn't mm. push him to tell him, oh, you got to tell me everything. I need to know what's happening. He and it would have been him. fair for him to say something like that, like, hey, I'm going to need more details if you're going to ask me for help because you are being super vague right now. Because yeah. Archie seriously gives no details whatsoever. It's like, I, hypothetically, if I had a friend who was dating somebody, who had a friend who was, you know, it's like the most hypothetical. It's like to the point that you as the viewer are having trouble following it. And Fred's like, hey, this is the most honest talk we've had in a while. I don't need any more details than that. you got to do what you got to do. I think it is such a great uh like moment for him because it shows like hey this is how you show someone that like hey i trust you to do the right thing and if you're telling me hey i need to do the right thing in this situation Mm -hmm. and this is what i think it is but this other person is telling me not to do it because it would ruin things if if you just say to them i i trust you to make the right decision and i know you're gonna do what's right what the right thing is like that is such incredible like just parenting and, and honestly like that for friends anything like it was just like a really really good advice yeah really good scene and and i also like like fred the whole time he's he's like making direct eye contact with archie like really trying to drive this home but he's speaking so gently and so just like just a real good guy here you know mm-hmm and we cut from this beautiful scene to maybe the worst scene that we've had so far in the show, uh, <laughs> which is to the pep rally. Um, uh, Archie tells Miss Grundy that he's going to go to Principal Weatherby and Sheriff Keller the next day. He like goes up to her at the concession table and lets her know that. Um, then he like looks like turns around. I think he says something like. Oh, you can go with me if you want to, but I don't expect you to. But either way, I'm going to go. So, mm-hmm. which is really, that's a, that's a Fred move right there. Fred yeah. got through to him. Yeah. Archie's learned from the best. It's uh, true. Clearly, I mean, clearly communicating what you're going to do, saying, hey, you're welcome to come. If you're not coming, then I'll do my best to keep you out of it. It's like, you know, props to Archie. He's uh, hopefully on the way out of this situation. Yeah, um, but I have a feeling and, probably not next episode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and like also, I I would love to read a Fred a Fred Andrews like advice book. I want like a Fred Andrews life advice book. That's that's the type of Riverdale merch I'm interested in buying. <laughs> um, anyone out there? Because uh, I feel like he's just got some real solid like a pretty applicable to almost any situation advice. Um. And so Archie turns around from the concession table and sees his his wife over at the uh, at the bleachers, and uh, he goes over and and tells Jughead like, well, I've decided to go to the police and I'm I'm gonna talk to them and and Jughead's like that's the right thing to do and so they kind of mend fences, and Archie like really wants to give him a hug. But Jughead is not down for that right now. He's like, uh, maybe maybe after people, what does he say? Maybe after many burgers and many nights. It's a it's a terrible line. Yeah, he um, says 
that that line is awful too um i i that one i i liked because it came at the end um yeah and it was just like i don't know it was it was very like teen trying to close out an awkward conversation and and that felt like more of an inside joke bad line like that yeah. that to me is like believable cringy teen trying to be funny with his friend maybe that you know they go to pops a lot it's the place to be yeah um and it's like you know that that is believable to me it's an you've had an awkward couple of months with your old friend you're trying to patch things up you know you don't want to say oh you hurt me but i forgive you we're cool and you just just a casual like it's cool you know yeah let's go get a burger sometime man let's talk about being friends again um, yeah very very Smooth, yeah, believable. Smooth in the way that it's not smooth. Like no, no. <laughs> it's and Archie just is like taking everything like at face value. He's like, oh, cool, we're we're gonna be buddies again. This is great, and uh, like not phased at all by Jughead's like weird way of talking, which is good. Um, He's very, you know, it's obvious that they're close friends because Jughead says the most awkward sentence in the world, and Archie's like, all right, yeah, whatever, cool. <laughs> like, just goes back to the pep rally. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the, the one thing we forgot to mention here um, is that this is all occurring at a pep rally. I thought it was an actual game at first, um, like they were going to yeah. play some football. Um, but no, no, no football yet. Well, see, what what got me is I feel like pep rallies at our school, at our high school, if it was an actual pep rally, the like football players would be in like a hoodie with the jersey over it with jeans on and like not their actual full uniform. Mm-hmm. And these guys are in like full uniform, like cleats on everything. So that's I feel like that threw me off because I was like. Are they playing? Are they playing right now? But um, visually, it just looked like more like a game. But yeah. and also, like the cheerleaders are in their full uniforms. They don't have like their sweat, like you know, their like cover ups on or anything. Like yeah, and it's pouring down rain. Um, yeah, they're getting they soaked. They're doing this this routine that Cheryl has masterminded with. Uh, <laughs> The help All these of, kids are gonna die of pneumonia, so like uh, they're gonna they're gonna need the name of the band. Um, that would be oh god, what's her name? Josie, right? Josie and the Pussycats. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. So they've got them performing live. Um, yeah. The mayor is there. And they're uh, performing also. They're performing uh, Candy Girl, Sugar Sugar. Yes, and what an amazing uh, cover. It's actually not bad at all, and it's sung by the cast members. Um, yeah, I was so honestly impressed with that. It was very good. Um, uh, so they're like up on stage. I'm assuming it, it's kind of hard to tell because again, raining and they're doing like a lot of like dramatic distant shots. But I'm assuming that they're performing like on a stage, like a temporary stage on the football field. That's kind of what, what it looked like. like to me. Yeah. And then um, the football team comes in and, like, smashes through this, like, paper banner, um, like, about the school. And Archie's the first one to smash through. And then Cheryl has, like, a PTSD flashback 
Yep. Sorry, I started to laugh at her PTSD flashback. It's just very, um, it's very sudden, and of course that that happens in real life as well. But it, we haven't had any hint at all that Cheryl's been struggling with Jason's death up to this point. It seems like she's more focused. Like last episode, she wanted to organize a school dance. This episode, she wanted to organize the pep rally. So we haven't really gotten a lot of signs that she's, like, having a hard time. Yeah, I mean, Cheryl has literally been, like, a psychopath killer uh, the entire... I mean, it's only been two episodes. But that has been very clearly established many times that Cheryl is weird, mean, and has no real feelings. Yeah, just stone cold. Yeah, stone cold. And and here we see her, we see that shell crack a little bit because uh, yeah. she kind of runs off uh, into the locker room or something. Yeah, she she has like a flashback to Jason, like doing the same thing at a pep rally he was at because um, he has red hair. He has the same jersey as Archie. Other than that, they don't really look a lot alike. They're both football players, I guess. But anyway, for a second, like Archie kind of looked like him. And so she gets freaked out. She runs into the locker room to cry. Veronica follows her in there. And Betty also follows, but she doesn't say anything to either of them. She just lurks. She doesn't even, like, close a locker to let them know she's there or anything. She's just lurking. Um, Yeah, I hated the scene. Um, It was so awkward. Betty's character has been on a fucking roller coaster this episode. uh, Because she goes from being, like... Very self-aware. And she's not even on Adderall this episode. She's, like, at her normal level. Oh, apparently. Like, we don't see her mom feeding her Adderall this episode, so. Uh, and it's just, like, she goes from being super, super nice and, and self-aware to I'm going to be petty and mean to very nice and self-aware to just bystander. Like, she yeah. just stands there. She also was going to help. Go and show your support. There's no reason to, like, this is where, like, I would have appreciated some kind of dialogue. Because in that scene where she, where Betty is standing, uh, watching Veronica mm-hmm. and and uh, Cheryl in the locker room, and, and as they comfort each other, well, as Veronica comforts Cheryl, um, mm-hmm. there's just no expression on her face. I, no, she needed to do some type of anything. I don't understand why they didn't just have her go over and like rub Cheryl's back. You know, that would be like a, I've done that to a lot of people after they've like thrown up or like were crying after like a, a game or like a track meet or something like, cause they're upset with their times or something like that. Like I've, I, that's, that's very normal to have that type of interaction with your like teammates and that's what they are. They're teammates. So just go over and, like give her a pat on the back it doesn't have to be a big deal like yeah uh it it really was a weird scene um which then gets to be so this gets to be betty's reason for uh trying to be friends with veronica again was because oh i saw how nice you were to cheryl we get this a little afterwards um and and she invites her to to pops for a milkshake because she saw her comforting Cheryl, which is just like Betty doesn't even like Cheryl. No. You know, it's not like it was like a friend of hers that was comforted. It's like 
Oh, you comforted like the queen bee. Yeah, like you can't be all bad. Right. And it's just confusing because I couldn't tell from her standing there if it was like, oh, I see your true colors now, Veronica. You've sided with my enemy. Or if Betty is thinking something along the lines of like, oh, I see you really are trying to be a good person because you're helping this person that I used to hurt you. And right. It's like, what? And it, if, if it's the second one, then why wouldn't you go over and say hi? You know, like, exactly. Oh, like, how are you doing? Should we call your parents? You know, just, I don't know, just weird. That's the other thing that weirds me out, too, is like, they're 15. At no point when anyone's having like any kind of emotional trauma, is anyone like, do, do you need to go home right now? Do you do you want me to call your parents? Should I call some like someone? Would you rather not be here? Like no no one's like, is this a bad environment for you? Do you need like your family? Because you're a 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. It's they're not teenagers really. Like they're no. not written like teenagers. No, they're they're full adults, and and that's another thing, um, that really irks me about this show. Uh, the characters, minus maybe Jughead. All dress well. I guess Archie. The way okay, okay. I'm realizing this is a problem with like Betty and Veronica, mm. our, our two female leads, is that they dress them like they're in their 40s. They do not dress like 15 year olds or, or any kind of teen. Yeah. Uh, Betty dresses like an office worker, <laughs> and Veronica is like, I don't know, like a high class like businesswoman. Like and, I, and it's yeah. Yeah, for for Betty, I can almost accept it because her mom is so controlling. I it would be I would accept like her fashion choices if her mom was like laying her outfits out every morning and we saw that. Yeah, that that would make complete sense because she dresses very similar to how her mom dresses. So I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to go for, but we don't actually know that that's what's going on. That's a great point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. For Betty or for Veronica, I I have no idea. Like, like yeah, her mom's like a New York socialite, but she's not. She's she's fifteen, you know. She doesn't have jeans anywhere. Like, no. <laughs> no <laughs> True. Yeah, and then Archie's just like your stereotypical jock. Like, I think he's if he's wearing a jacket, it's always the Letterman jacket. If he's wearing like a t-shirt or something it's like for his team and that's fine i mean that's how a lot of like high schoolers dress so yeah yeah and then jughead it looks like the normal emo teen so they nailed that one they really did yeah and uh yeah our closing scene here um is uh we, we start off with betty and veronica at pops right Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making uh, a horrible little vow. Uh, which yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that is so good. They're making a horrible little vow. I love that. It's true, though. It's just so cringy. Um, and it's really bad. It really, f- to me, like the ending was almost good. Um, yeah. And... The, the vow is that no boy will ever come between them again, which is just barely even what happened here so 
yeah it it really was just like i don't know it's (laughs) it's it's like it's like reverse boys will be boys yeah it's it's like oh those boys you can't fucking trust them yeah what you you remember back in the day the bros before hoes Yes. They just did a bros before hose handshake. They did. And it's yeah. funny because we see Archie and Jughead come in having clearly just had the same conversation out in the car. Yeah. Uh, and, They're and then, both swearing boy, bros before hose to each other, both groups of friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we get a nice uh, reunion scene and some lore reveal um, that Jughead's full name is Jughead Jones the Third. Yeah. Uh, which is very funny. Well, his middle name is Forsyth, if that makes you feel any better. Um, oh, my God. It's Jughead Forsyth Jones the third. Jughead Foreskin oh. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's true, though. Oh, man. Do you want to know the song? So the song that's playing in this scene, um, it, I was I looked it up because I was like, wow, this is really like nice and mellow. Um it's called All is Okay with Milkshakes by Blake Neely, which wow. is such a, it's like the perfect, first of all, great ambiance for the scene. And then also, ironically, that's the title. I feel like they must have hunted forever to find one that had milkshakes in the title that fit like the vibe of the scene. I think it was created specifically for the show. If it was, that would make so much more sense. But I, I love the idea that someone went on the hunt for a song <laughs> called All is Okay with Milkshakes. Honestly, yeah. Uh, and I, I, it threw me off because um, usually if, it, if it's uh, created for the show, it'll say like by the cast members or by like a specific cast member. Um, uh, obviously, like no one, we didn't see anyone singing this. So that's um, probably why it didn't say that. But it's it, it, entirely possible that, that it was created for the show. I think that makes more sense than someone searching for it, but it's it's a fun little tidbit in there, you know. It was. And then, yeah, Jughead has a little narration bit where he says there were only three kids in the booth that night, and he doesn't count himself among the others, um, which... I did not I, understand you know what? If if anyone's not going to be counted as a child, I feel like it should be Archie because he he's like scarred, you know. So he's he, he's Sorry. he's got he's got a lot going on. Um, yeah, I that that was just a really confusing piece of narration there. Um, but yeah, that that didn't really make sense to me. Um, he seemed really comfortable and like he like was fitting in. Yeah. And he just like wrote himself out. Yeah, he like climbs over the the like booth to get into the seat. So like he's at least familiar with Betty and Archie enough to be comfortable doing that. And I don't know. He he seemed like he was like having a nice chat with everybody. So, I don't know what issues Jughead has, but he doesn't need to lay it at everyone else's feet, you know. Keep that to yourself, bud. That's that's all I'm going to say. Um so then the next day at school, Archie's like confidently marching up to Principal Weatherby's office 
and he's like about to knock on the door and just like go on in there and and let him know what he saw and what he heard. And then the principal and the sheriff come out of the office, just like completely blow by him. Like they're not like, Hey, what did you need something? Nothing. Um, And they've been asking for people to come forward. So it would make sense for them to stop and be like, were you trying to like come forward with something? Um, But they just blow right past him. They go down to the science lab to get Cheryl. Cheryl's very dramatically, I'm guilty, and holds out her hands to be cuffed. Um, The sheriff has no time for this and is like, yeah, no, we don't stop it. (laughs) And just walks her out of the school, um, presumably to be questioned by the police. And then uh, in the end narration... We get we find out that the autopsy results showed that Jason didn't die on July fourth. He died over a week later, which mm-hmm. is very suspicious. This suspicious death is getting more and more suspicious. Yeah, and this is where I appreciate um, I appreciate some things about this little teaser for next episode, and there are also some things throughout the episode that help build it up. Uh, but it's another case where the writing completely takes me out of it and I can't stand how goofy it is <laughs> um, because there was in, in the scene where Cheryl is being comforted by Veronica. Um, she has this very kind of weird line where she says he was supposed to come back. He's gone. And Veronica yeah. kind of like raises an eyebrow and is like, hmm? but like pats her on the back anyway. Um, so, uh, I think it's also revealed in the, uh, autopsy scene that there are some, like, strange rope marks on Jason's body. Yeah, like, Um, on his wrists and maybe on his ankles, too. Like, mm -hmm. he was, like, tied up somewhere. So, it's clear that something has been going on, uh, and, and Cheryl knows more than she's letting on, obviously. I mean, that's been clear the entire time. Um. So it, it is actually setting up for like a somewhat interesting like high school a student was murdered drama, um, but the dialogue is so bad uh, <laughs> and I don't like it. Um, it's just been it's it's been difficult to. Well, I wouldn't even say difficult because it, it is still it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And go and, and to cringe at and, and to say, Ugh, come on, um, and, and then like you're you're back in the next scene. Um, so yeah, I I thought it was a, a pretty decent um, setup. Um, and another thing that the uh, <laughs> the director clearly loves is a a long dramatic shot of people walking down a hallway oh, or yeah. standing in slow motion. Like, the whole school comes out of their classrooms to watch Cheryl get arrested, which never, that no, like, that would never happen. And the thing is, she wasn't even cuffed. She's just walking down no. the hallway with the sheriff and the principal. She's literally just being, like, casually brought in for questioning. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, we need we need to, like, you know, hear your story again just to double check our facts, you know? Yeah, and and uh, I mean it's quite the quite the dramatic uh, teaser shot. I feel like I've seen it a couple times already, and especially in some other 
I've definitely seen it in some other uh, stuff as well, other shows. Yeah. Just a timeless, timeless classic. He's <laughs> <laughs> stuck. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to keep this whole part. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, definitely like a timeless shot to have the, the you know, Cheryl being escorted out, everyone looking on. Um, you really got to watch Twin Peaks because the first... Um, the first episode of Twin Peaks, uh, a girl has been murdered. A girl who goes to the high school has been murdered, and they found her body. And you get a very similar reaction at the high school of like everyone just kind of like reacting. It comes it comes on over the announcements, but you kind of get like a view of all the classmates like, oh my god, that's crazy, you know. So kind of a similar teen murder situation there that that has it it gave me very similar feelings to this particular scene and i think they they really tried to go for that but uh the announcement over the intercom no one really reacted to no like we if if they did we didn't get to see it um which i feel like is the whole point of having intercom announcements is so you can have like a like a narrator and like see all the reactions of all the people, you know? Yeah. You can do yeah. some, some cuts to, to, to your, your, your characters and say like, Oh, look, this is how Cheryl's reacting. Well, I guess Cheryl was making the announcement, but uh, yeah. <laughs> if it, In another world, Cheryl would have been sitting in their science class, just like, Oh God, it's ongoing. What's happening. You know, like, like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if they were a little more confident in the cast, we would have gotten that. But I, f- I feel like a lot of the reasons we're getting like weird lines and stuff is because they're not confident in the actors yet. Even though a lot of the actors are, are talented and they're showing that already. Speaking of famous scenes or like scenes trying to reference other things, um, I, I feel like we need to talk about the fact that someone on this directing team just made the switch from porn to TV right before they got this job. (laughs) Um, I don't, you know, I don't know who it was, but somebody is directing scenes like their porn, like intro to like intro shot of a porno, like Archie's very sweaty nightmare. That could have gone a very different way. (laughs) You know, like that was, that was a very, questionable like 30 seconds where he's just like being like sweaty in his butt and he's a handsome guy he's a, he's a muscular dude it just it does you know that someone else would have shot that a different way and then like the cheryl the scene with cheryl doing betty's makeup again just like do not let the porn guy direct any more shots from now on just have him do something else. Uh, it's too much. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that because the one thing I really remembered about this show was that it was very horny. Um, it's it's very horny. It's way too horny. It's got a very strong undercurrent of just, like, sexual energy. And, and it's, I mean, it's a high school drama. You're, you're trying to 
attract yeah. you know the 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 teen crowd to watch it right and that having that between the characters that's fine that's expected because it's like relationship drama but to have it on like archie is literally being like tormented by the thought that he heard someone die why is it shot like he's having like a wet dream you know like i mean that wasn't how i read the scene um it's just but... like the overhead cam shot and it, it was just i don't i did not it immediately, it, like, after, like, a few seconds, it immediately turns into, like, oh, this is definitely a nightmare. But it, at first it was, like, what, what, why are we watching this, you know? What's mm. happening here with Archie? There's, think, uh, there's, there's, there's a little too much horniness in the show in general, I would say. Something else that really stuck out and, and kind of made me laugh uh, was uh, <laughs> the, the horrible twerking that they had oh god yeah in their routine with the cheerleaders they didn't really do any real like cheerleading activities but they're <laughs> they got not one but like two different shots of the entire cheer tree team um like half-heartedly twerking <laughs> it was, it was really extremely half-hearted the whole dance was not well choreographed at all um, and, and it's weird because they're they're giving veronica this like star role at, like she'll have the like lead part where she does she's like the center of, of the cheer um and she'll have like a solo or something uh, yeah yeah like in the middle of the group dance she'll have like a little solo highlight spot but but it's usually just her walking um yeah and, and it's just it's like really a very up. exaggerated like hippie like marilyn monroe kind of walk it, extremely exaggerated and it, it just it doesn't look very good no it, it's not entertaining <laughs> no it it looks painful honestly i think if i tried to do that i would i would hurt myself but you know it's just and it's like meant to be like a part of a cheer routine i'm confused by the cheer routine too by the cheer team too because it seems like they're more like a dance team but they have pom-poms but they're also not really doing dances and they're not doing cheerleading really either so what are they you know what what are they doing yeah i mean i think they do a chant at some point but uh <sighs> I mean, if you're going to tell me this is a cheer team, I got to see some cartwheels, some flips. I got to see some, like, lifting people in the air and all kinds of, you know, like, give Mm -hmm. me some cheer, you know. (laughs) If this is and if this is a dance team, then I better see some dancing because right now we got some sad twerking and one girl from New York walking and that's it. Yeah, twerking and like a uh, butt to butt twerking. Very. Yeah. Like right (laughs) now. All the line. It was, yeah. just, it was just funny. Um, it was a me. choice for sure. I feel like I feel like the dances do get a bit better because I was actually surprised by how bad these were this mm. episode and last episode. So I feel like they must get better, but not to a point where it's like, wow, that was really good, you know? Yeah, they, they just get, get to, a different get choreographer. Like, yeah, they get like less noticeably bad, which is, that's something anyway, you know? An improvement. Um, Jughead gets some great nicknames in this episode, all from Reggie. Um, 
Wednesday Adams is the other one. He he also calls him Suicide Squad and Donnie Darko, like we already mentioned. But I loved the Wednesday Adams one. That's the one where like they're like the first school day that we see this episode. Um, Jughead like bumps into Reggie, and Reggie's like, "Get out of the way, Wednesday Adams," or something like that. Is very good. Um, and Jughead's look over his shoulder, like so offended. Like oh, I would not be Wednesday. I'd be like Gomez. Like very. Very dramatic. Love it. Um, we get a hashtag in this episode. Do we actually? Uh, yes. Cheryl says it during the announcements. Um, she says, hashtag Riverdale strong. When she's talking oh, wow. about how she's going to like hunt down. Like, I have a yeah, first. I'm going to have gonna avenge my brother's death. Uh, yeah. Hashtag Riverdale strong. Yeah, and the sheriff's standing there like, what the fuck are you talking about, Avenger? Now I have to bring you in for, like, threatening people. Like, very good. Also, um, have you seen Twilight? Uh, I probably saw parts of it on TV, and okay. I've never read it. Okay. But I, I know it very well. Do you know, like... So in the first Twilight movie and in the book also, the majority of the school scenes take place in the science lab. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Uh, so this whole episode is just major Twilight vibes for me because it's all every every scene we see in a classroom where there's actually a class taking place is in the science lab. That is true. I, that's a good uh, note. It would be interesting if they used that to develop, um, like, maybe the science teacher and, and give them some kind of distinct personality or character at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because then, uh, you know, like, that gives you a, maybe some red herrings or, or maybe also just some small minor characters that you can then build up over the course. Maybe that's something that will change and will happen, but just a yeah. thought. It gives a little more depth to like the world to have information about pretty minor characters, and that would that would be cool to get. Um, we get that in uh, I don't know you've you've not seen Teen Wolf, um, I haven't critically no. acclaimed television series. Really, <laughs> really outing myself in this episode as well as a fan of supernatural shows, and that's it. Um, but. Uh, Teen Wolf, we get a similar thing, like you're you're wanting actually, where like a lot of the minor characters, like the science teacher, the math teacher, like the tutors, the coach, all of them, like we get in more information about them and they develop throughout the series, um, which I think is really really cool. Especially, it's another one with, with like a small town setting, and I think I feel like in that setting, it's it's cool to have uh, more information about all the characters. Yeah, definitely. I I might have to watch that one. I I'm coming in with limited uh supernatural TV show knowledge. Um and uh not necessarily supernatural the show, but just the genre. So Yes, and I'm coming in with encyclopedic supernatural general knowledge. Um so we're uh, unfortunately for both of us, everything is werewolves to me. So um <laughs> Uh, speaking of supernatural creatures, uh, Cheryl has a really good line when Archie is asking her during their science class 
um, if the police have any leads. So Archie's like, oh, did do you know, did the police have any leads? And she goes, what? No, you ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> Very good line from her. Um, and just like her outrage at how ridiculous it is for him to ask her, like, oh, do you know anything about your brother's death? Like, yeah, everyone should be outraged at Archie asking that. That's that's a crazy thing to ask. Yeah, uh, just extremely uh, tone deaf from Archie, really. But, uh, you know, he's he's trying to save his relationship here. You know, Miss Grundy is very important to him uh, <laughs> for, for some reason. I mean, he's 15. We'll, we'll give him that. He's 15. Uh, he's got six abs. So. Um, oh, to keep track of the uh, references that were made, too. We only had two this episode. Um, one was from Kevin and one was from Hermione Lodge. Um, and Kevin is when he's talking about um, like Moose's new girlfriend. Uh, he calls himself classically handsome in that pre-accident Montgomery Clift kind of way, uh, which is kind of accurate. If you if you want to Google on the podcast what Montgomery Clift looks like. Yeah, um, I didn't actually look that up. Yeah, he looks actually strikingly similar to Kevin. Um, oh, wow. Right. Uh, more yeah. information about Montgomery Clift. Uh, he had a car crash in 1956 after a dinner party hosted by Elizabeth Taylor. She accompanied him to the hospital. Um, he had a few more acting jobs after that, but because of the injuries that he sustained in the car accident, he had issues with like his facial muscles and nerve damage and was just in a lot of pain the whole rest of his life. But mm-hmm. he gave a really wonderful performance in, um, oh, what's it called? I think it's a... Uh, the trial of Nurmengard, or Nurm, Nur, however you say that word, the the trial of the Nazis. Um, he he was playing uh, a a really he was playing a character there, and the director at the time was like, oh, this dude's going off the rails, like he's off script all the time. And then his nephew, uh, after his death, published his like his script, his version of the script, and he'd actually taken extensive notes throughout he was like making edits um to the he was making edits to the to the script throughout um instead of just going off script it was pretty cool and montgomery clift was gay so yeah what a great reference honestly um picture perfect uh just in terms of of likeness and on top of that you know interesting to learn about yeah. One of the old, old greats. Yeah, old golden age of Hollywood. Um, and then Hermione Lodge, uh, she says she's, quote, going for this Joan Crawford, Mildred Pierce thing. Um, she's This is in the diner scene when Veronica comes to, like, in. her hair, right? Sorry to interrupt. I thought, see, I thought it was a reference to her hair, too. But I looked it up, and it's not. So Mildred Pierce, she's talking about the plot of the movie, Mildred Pierce, um, which is pretty close to Hermione's life. It's a newly single mom who's raising a 16-year-old daughter and another daughter who's younger, like 11 or so. And she's working as a waitress, but she's trying to hide the fact that she's a waitress. (laughs) Um, 
So it's another one of those, it's kind of like Veronica's references last episode where it doesn't really add anything, but it's like, if you, if you know about the Mildred Pierce movie, then you're like, oh yeah, 16 year old daughter, waitress, single mom, got it. Like, so it's, so. it's another reference that is not really a reference to anything. It's just, it, I mean, it's like the subtext thing all over again. She's literally just saying what is happening. Um, yep. w- but instead of the dialogue being a reference to a specific thing or, or, or explaining this is how I feel, right. um, it's just this is, hey, hey, this is what's happening. And if you've seen this movie, uh, you'll know that that's what's happening. Yeah. It's like, hey, this this movie <laughs> describes my exact situation. Yeah. Like if you needed yeah. like a quick like cliff notes on my character, uh, go watch <laughs> that film and you'll understand who this character is supposed to be. Exactly. And that is honestly like ho- just horrible. <laughs> like it's just bad writing. Um, it's very bad writing. In my opinion, you know. Um, it's I- it's a- just like I-, I feel like all these references. Maybe potentially with the exception of Kevin's, because that's just an interesting like, oh, yeah, you do look a lot like that guy, yeah. you know. Um, but it, with with potentially the exception of Kevin's, because even though that's kind of a cool fact, it doesn't really add anything to the plot at all. Um, and I feel like that's true for all these references. They don't add anything to, to the plot. They don't clarify anything. They're just kind of there. Um so I feel like for you know for for one of the directors, we got somebody who's like fresh out of the porn world, and for one of the writers, we have someone who's like fresh out of like an English 101 class, and knows that references are good to throw in, but doesn't know where to put them. So. Or like how exactly to use them. Um, and like they are very exact references. Whoever's putting these in is doing a really good job of finding stuff that fits the the situation like so precisely. It's just like, what's the point of them, you know? Totally. I'm looking through my notes right now. Uh, I have gotten through just about all of my complaints and notes. I think I kind of brought them up as they occurred. Um, yeah. And uh, overall, I mean, it was an enjoyable watch for me. How did you feel? Um, I liked this one less than I liked the first one, but it was still it was still a good watch. Um, I feel like honestly, I might have liked the first one more just because we had more Kevin in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy his character. Um, we had more Kevin and less Jughead. So I think that's the ratio for me. It's like <laughs> if there's more Jughead, I like it less. If there's more Kevin, I like it more. And somewhere in the middle is like neutral ground. And I feel like this was pretty, you know, I wasn't bored. I didn't necessarily have like a great time with it, but it was pretty fun. I laughed at a couple lines and, you know. Yeah, I would say a similar middle of the road for me as well, um, where, you know, the the things that I did enjoy were good enough to like hold their own. Like uh, the the bad parts didn't make it unwatchable. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And, and like if you can power through some of the worst dialogue, um, you will get to some like interesting scenes and and the mystery, you know, it's got its teeth in me. I'm hooked. I want to know what happens. Yeah. Um, and I think um, there's some gems in there too. Like every scene that Fred is in yes. is just wonderful. I love that actor. Um, and he's a character too. He's doing a great job. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. Like the bad parts didn't take away from the good parts. Um, so you found a Tumblr poll about Riverdale plot lines. Yes. I think it's, um, I think it's probably closed by now, so we probably can't like do the poll, but, uh, if you want, we can open it and take a look and see, um, yeah, uh, that would be great. Um, I'm not signed in to Tumblr on my laptop here. So I I'm... am signed in on my phone, so I can perfect. I can get us there. Um, you want me to text it to you? I don't. Oh, yeah, that works. I can just read it too if that works better. Um... Uh, e- either way, either way. It sounds good. Um, let me message it to you. Sometimes I feel like it's easier to understand something when you're like reading it too. So just in case. All right. Since there's a text message. Okay. I am watching. Well, not watching, but I'm looking at the poll right now. Um, I figure. The you poll can. is closed uh, with final results in, but we don't have the uh, correct answer. Um, the the original poster said that they're going to include the correct answer once the poll is over, but I'm not going to like go through their blog to find that. So Me <laughs> I just don't feel that motivated to do it. Yeah. So this was originally. So this this poll was posted by. Uh, it's uh, fuck you, I'm a prophet, but the you and fuck is a V, and that's, a, that's on Tumblr. Um, it says, for people who haven't seen Riverdale, guess which plot is made up? Do, do you want to go by, like, like line by line or, like, winning results? or? Oh, I figured we could do it, like... Uh... Uh, game show style. I don't know if you want me to ask you or if I you want to ask me, uh, and I'll take my best guess and and do some some rationalization of what I think would be, uh, you know, possible, or we can go through it together. Um. Yeah. Let's. Do Do you want to ask me? Because I mean. I feel like I this is going to be like much easier for me to guess than for you just cuz I've seen more of it but up it's up to you which which what direction you want to go Like I I can ask you instead if you want Oh yeah that works let's do that Sounds good Okay so game show style For people who haven't seen Riverdale guess which plot point is made up an organ harvesting cult puts on Heather's the Musical. 
Okay. Um. <laughs> so that's option one. Strong start. Um, the main character's dog's saliva has super healing powers. Which would be, I, I think that would be Vegas. Um, yeah, I think that would be Vegas. Okay, so, so I, I would so we, be down to watch an episode like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, <laughs> we, we met Vegas this episode, so, you know, we, we know him. He's like a, either a golden retriever or a lab, something yellow, and large and beautiful. Um, option three, small fry attempts to avenge the death of his father, noted mafioso, Papa Poutine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. So that's option four. Uh, option five, a dad attempts to scare his son straight with D&D, the ROTC, and fake poison. So I'm just going to interject here and say... Originally, I thought I was supposed to find the one that was right. And I'm realizing now that I have to pick one of these, which is false. So that means most of these are true. Only one of these is made up. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, I'm really losing it right now because all of these sound so fake. Like. Yeah. They sound fake. Uh, Let's keep going. Let's keep going. What, What are my other options here? Okay, yeah. Um, number number five here is one of the characters discovers she has serial killer genes. Okay, see that has to be Cheryl. I'm I'm I can cross that one out. That's real. I feel like <laughs> that, that one's is real. real. Okay. I'm crossing that. So that, out. that one's out of the running here. All right. Yeah. Um, a straight girl kisses a lesbian to save the world and discusses queer baiting. That is a hundred percent. I th- would not put it past any of the writers on this show, but that was real. Mark. Question mark. But okay, leaning, towards mark. Real, leaning towards real. Leaning towards real. After a breakup, a lesbian isolates in her gothic mansion and draws a fursona. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, next, next. I have no idea. <laughs> next? You can't even deal with that one. Okay, okay. Uh, the teen gang joins a school drag show to sell drugs known as Jingle Jangle. Okay, I know Jingle Jangle is real, so... Unfortunately, have to rule that one out. Okay, so that one is considered, that one you're saying is real? That one is real, for sure. Okay, sounds good. Um, A bunch of teenagers get into the tickle porn business. Now, this is an interesting parallel um, uh, (laughs) into our conversation that this is a very horny show. Yeah. Uh, Tickle porn. Okay. Um <laughs> Um <laughs> Uh okay. We, we we can withhold judgment on that one for a sec if you want. Yeah, I'm um, going to move on from that. Uh I'm moving back to the persona. Um Okay. Nope. So again, this one is the lesbian gothic mansion persona. Yes. Uh I could totally see um, the the le- this being the same lesbian character that is kissed by a straight girl, uh, because mm-hmm. you know you, you, there's only one lesbian usually. Um, wow. 
It's true. I mean, I, I mean, in a show like this, they're not gonna take the time to to flush out multiple multiple characters that have different sexualities. Um, no, and honestly, I feel like they would lean more towards like bi and pan characters just because they can be more dramatic with it. Like, there's more dating options with those characters. Yeah. Um, draws a persona. Okay, that one. I'm leaning towards this because I don't think they would ever show a, a like lesbian relationship. Just like they're never really going to show like a gay. Re- a, well, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm kind of speaking from ignorance here, but from the way the show has portrayed, like the first two episodes, you don't see like a yeah. lesbian or gay relationship on here. Yeah, like seeing that on screen in the show, I would be surprised. Um, if it was in depth enough that like this is a real but the fact that she's isolating and drawing a persona okay maybe all right it's back <laughs> on it's back on um, they took you off with the with the fact that they could portray a lesbian couple and then put you back on with the wildness of isolating in a gothic mansion and drawing a forced persona you're like yeah that's pure riverdale right there exactly um, uh yeah. Wait, uh, what about Cheryl Papa Poutine? Been... How do you feel about Papa Poutine? Yeah, this is a strong contender. Um, <laughs> Papa Poutine. <laughs> Small fry attempts to avenge the death of his father, noted mafioso Papa Poutine. This is just made up. These are nonsense <laughs> words. Like, um, I mean, do you not know Poutine? I know what Poutine is, but like... What mafioso is going by Papa Poutine? A Canadian mafioso. This is real? Papa Poutine real? I mean, I've given it away, but yes. Um, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Small Fry is the nickname that one of the characters goes by, and his his dad is in the mob. Okay. The Canadian mob. Oh. That would have been my my guess. Um, <laughs> so I, I I really think it's the tickle porn business one. I can see Vegas like showing up in a random scene and and licking Archie and he like heals <laughs> miraculously. It's it's yeah. the tickle porn. It's tickle porn. That that's fake. I hate to tell you the tickle porn is real. That's a real thing that happens. They do tickle porn. And like, what the, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which one is, wait, so which one is fake? Is it the dad attempts to scare his son straight? Nope, that one's real. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to guess all of these. Um, it's just it's devastation on your face. I know the viewer, the listener persona, The fursona. The fursona one is also real. Is it is it the dog? Superpower it's dog? The dog. <laughs> That's the like most believable like comic book one. I know. These are all the rest of them are real. The rest of them are all real. What? <laughs> this is this show is insane. What? Yeah. Um, these are these are spread um, amply throughout the seasons. 
So. <laughs> oh my God, we have a a lot to look forward to. This is depressing. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this person's blog and search Riverdale and see what else they've they've got. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I was so close. Um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were so many insane options to choose from, and you chose the most normal ones to your credit. Um, so. I mean, I could just never. I never expected um, tickle porn in Riverdale. No, no one did. It was honest. It was shocking. Um, I, I, yeah, that that episode. I might be a little traumatized to go back to, honestly, but because also they're teenagers. I've been speaking with my mic off. Totally normal <laughs> teenage stuff. To- totally normal, uh, you know, uh, just making some tickle content for, for my fans. So, yeah. Uh, what are we watching next week? Uh, yeah, next week we're watching Riverdale Season 1, Episode 3, titled Chapter 3, Body Double. So, oh, wow. something's happening. Something is happening indeed. I wonder what the mystery will be. Um, But uh, until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm River. I don't remember how we signed off last time. but Last uh, time we said get Riverdale. I say this time we say uh, hashtag Riverdale strong. (laughs) Hashtag Riverdale strong. And uh, yeah, see you guys next week. Yeah.